Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Always trying to hit the important libertarian topics. I really try to get ahead of those topics. And one thing I did kind of get ahead of, I mean, it was really bubbling up to the surface uh, a few years ago. In the beginning of 2013, I did a show on the police state, the militarization of the police, and since then, there was raising, rising awareness of that. And I feel like the narrative has been hijacked by the media they have and the powers that be. If you look at uh, uh, the, the emphasis is on divisiveness, on racial divisiveness when it comes to policing right now, and the incidents that are discussed, are focused on, are almost always ones that are hard to know the right or wrong, ones that could easily divide people based on their perspective. And that's the worst thing, because then both sides feel like they're absolutely right and righteous because they see it through their own life experience, their own cultural history, if you're going to talk about it being like a racial divide. And that is going to be completely counterproductive if what we really want to do is look at this change in policing. So one of the questions that arose in our conversation today is that the my it would the second amendment be uh, effective and the reason it's pertinent is I'm looking at what what these movements the black lives matter and the cop shootings like cops doing the shooting and getting shot this whole the way the media is handling it uh, has resulted in calls for a federalized police, uh, not even department, it's really a police state to have centralized, to have federalized. If, if you have that, you are going to have the police disconnected from you. So one big argument that I've been hearing about the Second Amendment isn't that we could actually match them firepower-wise. It's that the military and the police would not turn on a citizen uprising uh, against a government that was clearly in violation of the Constitution. But uh, that means the the question isn't really about firepower versus firepower. It's about the fact that the government agents will turn on the government for us. And I think that is how... I have a lot of people in the military and the police who listen to me. They, They care about the Bill of Rights. They care about the freedoms of this country. But that and and because of that, that's why I identify these movements, these media memes, the powers at the top trying to sway people away, uh, law enforcement away from feeling a part of the community by being physically disconnected or by being under fire, by by feeling like we are uh, that the citizenry is the problem. And I was talking off uh during the break with my producer Brad Binkley is here with me who's totally into propaganda and I'm struggling like trying to identify what's really going on and apparently this is a tried and true uh, tactic oh yeah throughout history all around the world the number one objective of uh, domestic propaganda is to mobilize hatred against an enemy And, and they'll 
make up lies, horrible lies about these enemies in order to accomplish this. And I actually think there's also provocation. So what? So you not only have right. this black versus blue thing, which uh, provokes or demonizes the Black Lives Matter movement, but you also have, I had a, a clip, I, I don't have it handy, of Hillary Clinton saying you gun rights people are terrorizing middle America. And then you have the Bundy Ranch thing, which I think people read wrong. I think the Bundy Ranch thing was a way for people to be scared of those who might be sovereign citizens. Yeah, they have. uh, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. There's... They, they always back it up with action. It's words alone can't do it. You have to back the words up with action. That's called propaganda of the deed. And they do overt action to demonstrate dramatically uh, this, this event so that people will truly feel the effects of it. Yeah, I, I think that there is an operation underway whose purpose is to disconnect these enforcers, the agents of government, from their... Uh, oaths to the Constitution, their inclination, their recognition that the future of this country is the future of their children, whereas the elite do not have that feeling in in my observation. I think the elite feel like their destiny, their future is disconnected from the masses. They're an international power elite. They have an oligarchy, you know, this kind of oligopoly at the top. I do not get a sense that they think that they are in danger of being among the masses, whereas my cousins are cops and firefighters. Uh, my brother and father are in the military. I mean, we are all in this together, and, and they're not. So... That's how, that's my feeling about it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I, I know I personally I, I I don't understand the international dynamic of it like like you do, and I, I think for me that's the challenge of of understanding how it you know works uh, broadly. Yes, I think that there is that this stuff. The reason it is so orchestrated, the reason it's so effective, the reason it's so sophisticated, is they have the money. And the uh, the history and the long term planning, starting as early as John D. Rockefeller and Cecil Rhodes, uh, to to infiltrate that was their goal to infiltrate institutions to use these methods. And I think we're seeing that. And I and I think that that the action items are uh, is what I consider to be like a clear operation in progress. I'm going to go to Joel in Atlanta. Joel, you're on with Monica. Ah, good afternoon, Monica. Uh, First-time listener, first-time caller. Um, The uh, gentleman earlier who essentially said the uh, Second Amendment was irrelevant due to the war between the states, uh, that first caught my attention. Uh, First off, (laughs) the war between the states was not the people against the federal government. Uh, It was the states, some states, against the federal government. And uh, people from pretty much every state in the South fought in the Northern Army as well. Uh, Tennessee was nearly split down the middle with the uh, number of individuals who fought on each side. Right. It was a so, sovereignty issue. It was the it was the uh, the battle between state the ideal of state sovereignty and its hijacking as now national sovereignty. So people always talk about national sovereignty, and I I gotta. Facebook post recently that said it's not national sovereignty; it's supposed to be state sovereignty. Have we forgotten? But that that I do think is the obvious critical um, lesson from that. Okay, keep going. All right. Um, let's see where was I. So yeah, that doesn't invalidate the Second Amendment. No, I I Amendment think our discussion was it. not that it, um, whether it's valid, but whether it's effective. And uh, yes, okay. I see your flaw. So keep going. All right. Um, 
it's, <laughs> then you get down to uh, numbers, all sorts of things. Uh, the number of veterans, I'm a, I'm a former Marine myself, the number of veterans that are civilians and that would, uh, that would stand to their oaths is incredible. Um, That's always been, Joel, let me interrupt you. That has always been a big thing. Like after a war, after the Revolutionary War, after the Civil War, and even the Iraq War, people, the fighters come home and they have... Uh, and a familiarity with weaponry, they have weapons, and uh, and I think this is the first time that really the nature of the individual arms are so so different from like uh, you know armed drones that it actually might not make the kind of difference it did in the past where they had to actually keep the veterans satisfied. Hmm. Um, also, there's the whole low tech versus high tech, and uh, somehow we managed to not find Osama bin Laden for many years. So, no, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm not quite as worried <laughs> Implausible, about the right? environment as uh, as you are. Also, um, uh, where was I? Lost my point a little bit. There's um, so many so many things happen when you're waiting on hold. <laughs> you you hear the whole conversation. Yeah, like the uh, the uh, what was the uh, what tech shooting? Penn Cal. The Kent State. Penn State shooting. Um, that was that was one of the things that. Uh, that really brought into uh, into the light how our uh, our national guard, especially because that, that lady was talking about the army and the marines being out there and shooting the protesting students. First off, I guarantee it was national guard, not active duty um, marines or army. You know, uh, posse comitatus. I think I mispronounced that. Um, posse comitatus. Yeah. Yeah. Secondly, yes. nobody had training for crowd con- uh, crowd control at that point. That's one of the things that spurred. The, uh, the riot police training. Uh, thirdly, you said they were throwing meters? I just saw... Uh, what I really wanted to make very clear was that I I'd have not studied that topic, okay. and I am I actually am very cautious about taking what I'm taught in school or what the commonly understood history is of something like that and, yeah. uh, and acting like I know what happened. I don't know what yeah. happened until I personally dig in. But I did... But one well, I, counter meme I saw... Was when, was that they had they had somehow upended parking meters or maybe it was just a big chunk of concrete or whatever that was thrown. I'm not defending the police for their reaction. I'm just saying I I have to I have to I would want to dig into that story before I used it as an example, and I haven't done it. True, but if you are a kid out there with a rifle, a uh, a civilian, you know, weekend warriors is what we call them, and. Uh, you know, you you have your uh, gradients of force. Uh, you can only meet force with equivocal or one step higher force. Well, yeah, uh, I mean that is definitely true. If you if you have the if you are in the position of authority, if you are coming to if you're the Rykop, once the violence starts, you have to defend yourself. But I I think there is a um uh, a mechanism at work here, a tactic at work here that's trying to change the whole dynamic to disconnect us from our agents in government who are supposed to be there to protect us. Uh, more, lots of lines lit up. More calls after this at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. High today of 89, tomorrow's high 88. Weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate. Heating and air. Continuing this conversation about uh, would the Second Amendment have uh, impact, or do you just have to count on 
uh, not being uh, that that the guys in the military and the police will be on your side. I think they'll muddy the waters. I think that's one of the big, most powerful elements of the propaganda state. But I want to know what you're thinking. I am going to Paul uh, in Good Hope. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hi, Paul. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for taking my call. I, I have a have an idea about this. I, I believe also that uh, the the uh, police the police and the military, just as the guy that called in said that him and his coworkers were were American patriots, and and I have a lot of friends in the military. I don't believe they would ever lift a hand to do anything. But back when the NAFTA Free Trade Agreement was signed. There's a clause in that thing that says that if there are any uh, disasters, whether they be man-made, you know, natural or man-made, that the uh, indiv- the individual, the countries, Mexico, Canada, and America, will not be allowed to police themselves. They'll be policed through the other uh, military. Paul, thank you for bringing that up. I did not know that, but what I do know is the Council of Foreign Relations Task Force report called Building a North American Community, which the chairman or one of the co-chairs was William Weld, the VP candidate for the Libertarian Party, which to me is a total setup. As a libertarian, I know that guy's not a libertarian. And Heidi Cruz, who also there, the Cruzes act like they are for national sovereignty. This thing, one of the most egregious elements of these recommendations was to have what they called interoperability of police and military across the tri-national area, which was Canada, the United States, and Mexico. And I just did not think of that implication. Yes, that's, that's exactly what it's for. It's, it's because our military wouldn't lift a finger against the American citizens. Wow, that is really uh, quite a disturbing an obvious thought and this is the kind of thing people are like oh there you see conspiracies everywhere the stuff's in there you can see it you know what they want if you're on hold i'm going to get to all the calls after this break and you can tweet at me at monica perez show Look, just put your little hand back in the cash register and give me my $2.75 back, please, Brad. If you know what movie that drop was from, you and you are the first person to call for the weekend prize pack, you will win a pair of tickets to see Rick Springfield in concert on August 28th at Chastain Park Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation, and a McDonald's $20 arts card. The number to call if you know that movie is 404-741-0750. But here's the problem. I introduced that clip because my producer's name is Brad, Brad Binkley. But now, every time I hear that clip or say, every time I want to talk to Brad, I think, Brad. Give me $2 back. Yeah, I'm sorry. I might have to start calling you by your last name. Can you deal with that? (laughs) That's fine. You might just have to be Binkley because I have to. It's like when you get a song stuck in your head. I have to just purge it. Call me whatever you want. All right, there you go, Binkley. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do make that that change officially and hopefully. Well, I didn't tell anybody uh, what the name of that movie was. I hope the screener knows, Crystal. If you know, Um, let me know who wins that. And 
I am. I want to finish our conversation on the police state, and then I want to just. I have a little tidbit about Brookhaven, and it's not just for people in Brookhaven. I'm sure this is a slippery slope, but that pertains more to the surveillance state. So, give me a minute on that. I'm going to um, taking a call. I'm going to Aaron in Atlanta. Hi, Aaron. You're on with Monica. Uh, hey, Monica. Hey, listen. You know, I've been in local law enforcement in the Atlanta area for uh, for about 15 years now. And just when I heard about this, this uh, giving the federal government control over local law enforcement, and I assume state law enforcement, I mean, to arguably that's already the case anyway. I mean, when I go to training, you know, we have to hear, the, you know, federal case law, Supreme Court decisions. There's so much updates regarding those. Basically, through the Supreme Court, I mean, we, we are controlled anyway, and, and there's so many restrictions. And that, you know, so I just wanted to put that in a little bit of perspective also. Excuse me. With, with state, with local governments, um, you know, it's hard to imagine that the federal government would directly take over law enforcement, uh, and you know, insofar as officially and completely HR and all that, because that would essentially eliminate the states. Um, and yeah, and doesn't that start to encroach on that posse comitatus, or like, or does it not? Like posse comitatus. I don't, is, I don't think it. I don't no. think it does that because we're because police be considered military, active military. But yeah, I also wanted to point out yeah. what you said earlier. I really like how you said the super wealthy are in a different category. Let me tell you, um, you're very true. That's very true. And and from my perspective, I see it myself. I arrested a young lady. Um, I you know won't go into details, but for multiple felonies. Um, and uh, her father happened to be very wealthy, wealthy family, well-connected. He made one phone call to the, uh, I won't say to who. Anyway, it, the, the whole case essentially went away. And uh, if I were to lock up somebody that was not well-connected for the same charge as that person, that young lady would be going to prison. And that's just that's just one example. Um, I also yeah. wanted to point out that... Uh, that for that there was also a caller a little while ago that was that was talking about uh, police brutality. She seemed to be quite angry, and she was talking about, about the military also. But um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of demonization of, of law enforcement and thinking that we're the enemy. But I would ask her or anyone else that, that's against the police or, or has fear of the police, what would you replace the police with? And I think that's a fundamental question that needs to be asked because all these people that hate the police. Assuming they're actually open-minded to some extent, they're not racist. It's not a, a anti-white police or anything like that, which we see a lot of these days. Um, but the thing is, it, it, what would you replace the police with? And that needs to be asked because there has to be some form of law enforcement. Obviously, if they, if you don't agree with that, then you're just a fool. So. Well, I I would say uh, I personally I find the same thing with with teachers. I have problems with the uh, government schooling. But I can't come out and say these teachers are up to no good. My sister's a teacher. I mean, I within right. the context of what, what people are doing in their jobs, they're legitimate jobs, they have a legitimate function, and it is our duty to take, I, I think, I'm actually have a, had a revelation recently that we have to go to our legislators, legislatures, we have to go to the local sessions that actually control these uh the policies and protocols also i think the second amendment what's what is definitely still effective about the second amendment is that it allows us to conduct those uh functions ourselves to the extent we can which that is when when you think of it as a joint effort we're all in it together we're all trying to deter crime to prevent crime and uh and 
to the extent that we can that we can respect each other in doing that, I think uh, it would reduce the tension. But what I feel like is happening is, like you said, we're people are being uh, divided up to demonize the police and for the police to then get that sense from the community that that we're not friends anymore. And at a certain point, you're going to say, screw them. I've had it, you know, and that's what I think they're after. You're exactly right. And, and one last point. I mean, not to get over overtly political, but with, with Hillary Clinton, I mean, she said something that really offended me. And he, she's talking about Wisconsin and using the riots in Wisconsin as an example of the need to, to uh, reestablish trust between law enforcement and the community. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I mean, this is, this is first of all, a black police officer. First of all, race shouldn't even matter to begin with. This is a black police officer that, that shot a black perpetrator that, that was armed and swung the gun around toward the officer. It was it was a valid shooting, a valid use of deadly force. That is absolutely not an example of why there needs to be more trust between the police and the community. It's an insult to every thinking person in this country. And then clearly she is not on the side of the police. I would say two things. One is by making these issues race issues, if, if you're really talking about making it a minority issue, what you do is get the majority not interested. And so for me, that is counterproductive. If people really want uh, to make sure policies are are intended to ensure liberty and justice for all, which I think there has been, there definitely are racial issues. I, I believe the ra- the commun- black communities have been targeted since the 60s in uh, being targeted to destigmatize welfare, drugs, all that stuff. But that's systemic. That's from the top. That is from people who get political power out of the divisiveness. But for her to even address it, what I think you were, what I wanted to get back to from something you said earlier was the 10th Amendment keeps policing at the state level. You actually could not, without... I mean, they they overturn the tenth. They they ignore the tenth amendment with Obamacare and everything anyway. But you really right. could not uh, do have a, a national police force. It's not a national question. Same thing with gun control. Many many issues. These guys want to make federal issues. As a libertarian, I have my views, but everybody should recognize when something is a local issue, not a federal issue. Thank you so much for the call, Aaron. That was very interesting and uh informative but i have to i i need time to uh talk about this one issue that came up it's a local story that tr sent to me hat tip to you tr i it's in the reporter newspapers.net from august 10th 2016 and it's the it's called the brookhaven police department is set to implement a voluntary video surveillance camera system with residents and businesses throughout the city. It's called, right? Did, did you read about this? <laughs> yeah. <saw> Binkley? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it says the program is called Operation Plugged In, which is funny. I'm going to comment on that. Uh, when I saw this, I thought this is exactly the kind of local law I've been trying to tell people just plugs into international law that that you think oh well the UN's going to come in and force all their stuff on me but they they aren't going to force all their stuff on you their their stuff is going to have happened and it's going to look like it was a grassroots thing so right. i so I, I consider these plug in laws and they call it operation plugged in but that's not what they mean 
It says uh, Operation Plugged In asks business owners and residents who have video surveillance camera systems to voluntarily allow the police department access to their cameras' websites and say that only the police department would have access to the footage. <laughs> That's only the police department. Will. Hillary Clinton can't prevent hackers from coming in. The, the Brookhaven PD can. That's- exactly. <laughs> So it's de- and then actually that's so funny because I had in the in a similar vein I had a news story from wsbradio.com that said mom shocked after webcam in children's bedroom hacked. Oh my god. So that's, so, that's... so her daughter, her little girl and I you know I'm like why does this lady have a webcam? I mean all right, I guess because right. of the yeah. Nannies I, or whatever. I assume I'm being watched, and I just make threats at my webcam when I watch. I try. By. I try to tell my kids who are little. I'm just like you know. In the future, TVs have cameras in them, and my <laughs> poor kids. I'm chilling my own kids, which reminds me. Can I interrupt the story for a second? This Milwaukee riot story had. Did you notice that it, it? It just mentioned like in passing this shot spotter technology. Oh yeah. Yeah, have you heard of that? Do you know what that I, is? I, I didn't hear about it until uh, I, I read the read it in Milwaukee. Yeah, thing. it's it's this thing where I've read about it in the Wall Street Journal a while ago. So you know how they have surveillance cameras at every street corner and they say it's for red lights? Yeah. They needed an excuse to put audio in everywhere. So oh, they said, wow. well, we're listening for gunshots. Yeah. Like, like oh, that what? isn't something people call about. People get so angry at the red light, they start firing their guns off. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just had to. So now, if you actually just want to stop and think about where could you have a private conversation? Like, really, if you left your phone at home, but every street corner has eyes and ears... Where could you have a private conversation? Heaven? No. No, heaven. <laughs> there is something called total information awareness. You can wiki it. And they talk about having 24-7 awareness of every single individual first in this country and then in the world. God. Yeah, I know. So let me get back to the story. It says uh, there is no plan. This is about Operation Plugged In in Brookhaven where they want uh, residents and businesses to have video surveillance cameras, or if they have them, to give their passwords to the police. It says there's no plan at this time to have an officer dedicated to watching the cameras live, but the ability to do so is possible, and the department would archive the footage. So so if ever I, I, I have seen in action at the federal level, whether, well, they'll, they'll go into stuff that they accumulate, and and uh, they can use it against you later. I don't know if that's these guys probably that's not their intention, but it's always the chance. They can also edit funny videos together of whatever <laughs> you're doing. Oh, and they've got nothing to do in the middle of the day. Right. No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I, my guess is this guy doesn't mean any harm, but it seems like a very. I'm sure it was an idea that just slipped in, and nobody even knows whose idea this was. But it seems to play into all. The, my hotspot fears. Councilmember Joe Gebbia said he wanted to mandate businesses located in hotspots of criminal activity to install video cameras. He said it is a burden to put on the police department to have them respond repeatedly to the same locations. If you get three calls, boom, you have to put in cameras because we don't have the resources. And then they get to watch the cameras. Uh, City Manager Sigmund advised against introducing Operation Plugged In as mandatory, but said in the future there may be a way to include in building codes that video cameras are required. Offering economic incentives to developers to install cameras was also discovered. Uh, However, City Attorney Chris Balch said privacy issues and federal law are arguments that can be made against requiring video cameras. He also cautioned against building code ordinances 
because that could lead to a slippery slope. I'll say. I mean, oh, what, I'll say so. Yeah. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, wrapping it up after the break, I've got one more call, Jack. Hang on. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mostly sunny, high of 88 in the forecast for Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather, brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And let me congratulate Don for getting the prize pack, uh, figuring out that the drop about Brad was from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But Brad, I'm sorry I changed your name to Binkley because I can't get that out of my head now. Uh, Yeah, Christy Brinkley. (laughs) No, just Binkley, not Brinkley. Anyway, you've got to check that out on Fast Times. It was one of my favorite movies, but I'm dating myself, which Dave Baker told me never to do. (laughs) It's always a bad policy. I've always been told not to date myself. Yes. So uh, I do want to uh, give Jack in Gainesville the last word. Hey, Jack, you are on with Monica. I'll give you one minute. Hey, Monica, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. Hey, I, I see a lot of stuff on TV and the news. People protesting when a cop shoots somebody. What I don't ever see is these people protesting against the parents that are raising the people that commit the crimes. I mean, the cops are there to do a job. There's got to be some responsibility on the parents that are raising the kids to put themselves in the position to even have to encounter the police. I think that you're hitting on what I believe is a clever tactic in this operation, which is they're working hard to make sure that these issues are divisive. So there are plenty of examples of blacks and whites killed or harmed accidentally by bad policies like uh, no-knock raids or zero-tolerance SWAT teams. There was a case in June which got almost no coverage at all of David Powell in Henry County, who there was a 911 call. They responded to the wrong house. His family said they did. It was the middle of the night. His dogs were barking. He opened his garage. He had a gun in his hand. His family said he did not have... Uh, they didn't tell and identify themselves or tell them to put down the gun. They saw the gun. They started shooting. Why, don't, why aren't we talking about those issues where it's not, uh, well, did the guy deserve it? They, I feel like they're, we're only highlighting in the news stuff that is bad so um, or ambiguous. Anyway, continue this conversation all week long uh, on Facebook, Twitter, at Monica Perez Show, and uh, on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. Thank you to Brad Binkley, and we'll be back next week. Uh, uh, That's my producer. And next week, Saturday, 3 to 6.